clip. That's what? What's the idea? Well, what's the big idea? What's the big idea? What's the big idea, Egghead? What's the big idea? Welcome back to What's the Big Idea. Today we have on a very special guest, John Gray. John is the author of the seminal relationship work, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. He's written uh, 27 books. He is one of the best-selling nonfiction authors of all time. And so there are relationship experts, and then there's John Gray. He's really just in a different stratosphere. Um, and so he just wrote a new book called Beyond Mars and Venus, and he is basically updating his take on some of the fundamental differences between men and women, because when that book came out in 1990 versus today in 2019, uh, society has shifted. There's so much more conversation and openness about things like gender fluidity, and so he's really sparking this conversation back up again. And in this podcast, we go deep on really what are some of the biological differences? How does testosterone, estrogen show up in men and women? How does that impact how we respond to external stimuli? We get into practical communication techniques of how men and women can relate to their partners more effectively, navigate contentious conversations. I love this podcast. I think I'm probably gonna have him on again soon because he's a wealth of knowledge. So I hope you enjoy this one. Without further ado, John Gray. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to What's the Big Idea? And uh, on the line right now, we have John Gray. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to spend time with you. So as John and I were just catching up before we, we went on the line, we were reminiscing about some very early memories where I was actually about 10 years old. I think the first time I met you, John, when we were at the Maui Writers Conference, you were, of course, presenting and I was probably running around in the pool somewhere uh, near in diapers. So it's nice to, uh, to reconnect <laughs> now. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and so, John, where are we? Where in the world are you? Uh, I live in Mill Valley, so I'm in Mill Valley right now on a nice sunny day. Beautiful. And how long have you been in Mill Valley? Uh, 30, 34 years. Amazing. Well, I love that we're catching you on a bright and sunny day, and it really is a, an honor to uh, to have you on the line. And you know, I was reintroduced to your work, obviously familiar about it when I was younger, but uh, through your book, Conscious Men. Uh, recently, and it was uh, a really kind of influential book in some of the men's work that we've been doing with uh, with our organization, We Junto. And you know, obviously, you've got so much going on right now. And um, uh, what's the big idea? We really like to focus on a singular idea. Like, what's one thing that's most present for you? An idea, a piece of insight that you wish more people could integrate into their lives. And so, for you right now, what is that idea? Well, the big idea for me is, and it's very exciting because there's a lot of confusion around gender differences. You know, I wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus back in the day where uh, there wasn't all this gender fluidity. And particularly if you had kids and you were interdependent in a relationship, those patterns I talked about help both men and women understand key areas where they misunderstand each other and cause conflict, unnecessary conflict. However, things have changed since 1992, and I started in 1980 talking about these things. So what's happened is higher consciousness makes us aware of both our male and female sides. And the expression of that is our culture now embraces men being more sensitive, women being more independent. But this all happened around the 60s, in my experience at least, where there was a huge wave of higher consciousness. You know, I was a teenager. I grew my hair out, had beads bell-bottom pants, you know, demonstrating for peace. 
these were things that just weren't traditional male things to do. And women were starting their support groups, independence, uh, run the companies, run the country, you know, we can do it, feel female empowerment. So if we step back and we see what happened there is women became more traditionally masculine, men became more traditionally feminine. And this is because as a spiritual being, we have both a male and female side. And as we access our spirit, which again, back in the 70s, I mean, I was Maharishi Mahesh Yogi of the Transcendental Meditation Movement, TM. I was his personal assistant. Meditation came, yoga came. People began opening their eyes to other ways of looking at things. Uh, this this opening meant that we have easy access to all of who we are, male and female. However, on a biological level, men have differences and women have differences. And when we understand what those hormonal differences are that are indisputable, if you have a male body and a female body for 95% of the population, then what happens is you suddenly see the logic from the new relationship skills that we'll explore today. Otherwise, they don't seem logical. They seem unfair. So, John, with all that being said, what are the core biological differences that you wish more people were aware of? Yeah, the, you know, the body's a vast subject, but what, we're, what we now know to be like, if you can say there's a fact, there's a fact, which are normal hormone ranges of well-being. Women's hormones, if you have a female body, uh, it's a delicate balance throughout the month of estrogen levels rising and rising, and then estrogen levels after ovulation dropping while progesterone levels rise. And if that balance doesn't occur, women will tend to feel overwhelmed, dissatisfied, uh, over uh, and depressed, basically unable to feel and joy and happiness the- in their life. And how about for for men? Now, for men, the major hormone is testosterone. Men need to have well-being, positive feelings, uh, a sense of high self-esteem, 30 to 50 times more testosterone than the average woman. We need to make testosterone. Now, what I'm pointing out, the big idea here, is our behaviors, our relationships to work, to our children, to God, to our partners, relationships to our body, these relationships can stimulate either testosterone or stimulate estrogen and progesterone. When you're in a relationship where you're dependent on someone, estrogen levels rise very high. If you're independent, depending on yourself, testosterone levels rise. Now, men, when their testosterone is low, they become aggressive. Now, most people don't know that, but this is a biological truth now, which is men become aggressive, defensive, argumentative, the worst characteristics of men, along with depression. Literally, it's fight or flight. Flight is the depression. Fight is the aggression. And this only occurs in men when their testosterone levels are low when they're converting into estrogen, the female hormone. Now, this is very important. We'll get into why it's so significant. First of all, most people aren't aware of that. Now, for women, when they're being independent, and I'm not saying they can't be independent, we'll get to solutions, but here's the problem. When a woman is independently earning money to support herself throughout the day, that sense of independence 
that's a relationship. I'm doing this myself. I can do it myself. I don't need help. Look what I, all I can do. That can feel good. It can make money, but it makes also the hormone testosterone. And when she's making testosterone, she's using up progesterone, which is a very important hormone for her well-being. And that's in the downward cycle from ovulation to her period. That creates something called estrogen dominance that causes PMS, uh, overwhelm, depression, suicidal thoughts and feelings, all basically because she's not making uh, enough progesterone because she's using it up, making the testosterone necessary, which happens when your relationship is one of independence. Now, on the other side of her cycle, after her period, to her ovulation time, that's when her estrogen levels need to be dominant. But if you're independent, it, it's fine to be independent, but you may not be, well, you certainly aren't making enough estrogen at that time if you find yourself feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And the problem here is that when you're overwhelmed and stressed, you think that the world is causing you to feel this way. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this when really it's the relationships that you form throughout the day that throw your hormones out of balance that then pushes you over into these symptoms, mental symptoms of being out of balance, which is too much to do, exhaustion, and resentment, which are common features in women after a while when they're married or in their personal life. There's a depression, there's a, you know, which is covered over by various addictions in both men and women. And so w one thing I'm curious about here is that, you know, one of the beautiful aspects of heightened consciousness, as you put it, is, you know, that we don't have to subscribe to such rigid gender roles. You know, it's you could have a woman who is a primary provider in a family and a man who takes on the role of caretaking in a household. And so, you know, when we become aware of our bodies, like what is what is helpful about this for enabling people to say if a woman does want to be independent and work? To, to manage the realities of our biology and for the man as well. Okay, so first of all, I'm not telling anybody to change what they're doing unless they have symptoms of overwhelm, depression, irritability, anger, lack of happiness. These are all states of imbalance, right? So what's causing those states of imbalance? People always look outside themselves. Well, it's because of this and this and this and this. My husband did this. My wife reacts this way. We're having no sex. We are too overworked or too much business. We look to the outer world. But reality is how we react to the outer world determines how we feel. And how we feel is determined by the quality of our relationships that we choose to make, which stimulates hormonal balance within ourselves. And the first and most important of all is our relationship to ourself. What are the choices that we're making? When you're out of balance, you tend to make the wrong choices that go further out of balance unless someone points out to you the problem is not outside yourself primarily. It's the choice you're making right now and what you're not doing for yourself. So here's an example directly to your question. A woman is a CEO. She's providing for her family or she has an independent business and her husband, because she can make more money, it makes sense that he stays home with the kids. This is more extreme, but it's happening more and more today. So there we have what, a role reversal from the traditional relationship of men and women. Now, what occurs is while she's making money throughout the day, being independent, her body is making testosterone. 
if she's to experience harmony and balance and happiness in her life and love, lasting love and great sex. If she wants that, she needs to recognize that she needs to balance her work life with a personal life, which supports the production of estrogen half of the month and supports the production of progesterone the other half of the month. So this is like a key factor. It is when you're dependent on someone, you produce estrogen and, and, and they're there for you. And when you're independent, but you're socially bonding, having a personal life of social equality, you're producing progesterone. So a woman's emotional needs change throughout the month and a clarity of what she needs at those times is essential for her well-being and also for the man because a romantic date is going to be 10 times more powerful five days before her ovulation because that's when her estrogen levels are required to double. Whereas a romantic date five days before her period is not going to do much and he's going to feel like, why bother? And she's going to feel like that wasn't really enough. Because at different times of the month, her needs change. And to have an awareness of that is paramount if we want to succeed in relationships today. It almost feels like understanding kind of like diet of just like how we respond to specific foods. And if you look at like the externalities and how they're responding to our body, then we're going to be able to incorporate those things into our life in a more integrated approach that actually helps us to be who we want to be, right? Well said, well said. It is exactly like that. And at different times of the month, as opposed to different times of the day, we need different foods. At different times of the month, she requires different things. And he requires every day different requirements because testosterone is produced primarily when you're solving problems. Now, the first thing is if you're not getting paid for it or you're not getting recognition and appreciation for what you do, then your testosterone levels don't rise and you feel irritable, grumpy, depressed, unmotivated. And the only way you can feel good is waste time playing games. Playing games, ironically, is men going to their female side. Now, we all need that balance to go from male to female. But when men are too much on their female side, they lose their motivation. They lose their sense of self-worth. They lose their sense of purpose and meaning because that hormone is not being produced, which is essential for functioning of the male brain and body, which is testosterone. How do we know this? When men have low libido for their wives, they have low testosterone. When men are depressed, they have low testosterone. When men have heart attacks, they have low testosterone. When men are angry and aggressive, they have low testosterone at that moment. What's happening is because he doesn't have training on how to be successful, particularly with a woman, what will happen is his testosterone will convert into estrogen and he becomes overly emotional. Now, the problem with this and why this is a big idea, we're just taking one of many that I focus on, is a huge complex subject that can be simplified with enough time. So we're going to focus on one significant one, which is psychology today, relationship counseling today particularly sometimes is productive, sometimes not productive. Why? Well, one of the reasons why is because we're taught when you're upset to talk. But actually, if you're too far on your estrogen side and you're a man, talking about your feelings, talking in an emotional state of negative emotions like anger, defensiveness, that's fear, uh, disappointment, that's guilt and shame, all that will go when a man talks with those feelings, 
his estrogen levels will continue to rise, throwing him further out of balance. And women, however, have the opposite experience, which is if they're unhappy, quite often what they need is more estrogen, particularly during the first part of her cycle towards ovulation after her period. And at that time, she needs to talk about what she feels. Just expressing how she feels without trying to solve a problem will actually increase her estrogen and she will come back into balance. So here's a point of revelation here. Women would come into my office and they would talk about their feelings. I was good at getting them to go deeper into their feelings without some guidance and support. Women will just complain, talk about problems, talk about problems. How can he change? What can I do? I won't say all women, but the women who come to me for counseling particularly, they're unhappy. They're not getting what they need. And their only solution is to try to change the man. They don't realize their power to change themselves but they begin to experience that as I ask pointed questions to connect with their emotions and that, to see what emotions are there, where they come from, and to recognize that any strong emotion, negative emotion you have is not just directly linked to what happened today or for the last 20 years. It's linked to the 20 years before you got married. Mm. It's linked to your past. And therefore, it's an overreaction. Now, an overreaction you know, it's like politically incorrect to say that because it was so abused when psychology came into play. Because when somebody was emotional, we say, oh, you're just overreacting. No, what they're having is a normal reaction when it's an accumulation of many, many things. But it is irrational. And what, but it needs to be heard and validated from the point of view of many things are contributing to it. Mm -hmm. If you cannot validate emotions as simply trying to establish balance again, to restore hormonal balance, then what you have to do, the logical mind has to justify, validate why I'm so upset and therefore you blame someone out there rather than recognize the imbalance inside yourself, which is primarily supported by not enough estrogen for a woman at that time. So talking about her feelings can actually boost the estrogen, lower the fight or flight response in her and she's able to open her heart, and now her feelings are positive feelings. Now we have to know that whenever, so talking about feelings and being heard is essential for women's well-being, but for men, it's not. This is the important thing, is that for men, they need to temporarily forget what has bothered them. That's called forget it, don't worry about it, let it go, don't dwell on it, disengage from an argument if you're in an argument, and this is against what all psychology teaches. Let's get it through. Let's talk it through. We need to share it. Yes, sharing feelings is beautiful when your feelings are coming from an open heart. But when they're defensive, that means when a man is defensive, argumentative, angry, these are things that ruin relationships. Because as soon as he starts speaking from, the, from anger, it will shut a woman down and she doesn't forget. It takes time to heal that wound. You see, when a man is angry, not only if he talks, he just becomes worse. Estrogen goes higher. Rather than stop talking, disengage, do something that has not to do with talking about your feelings, but do something that boosts your testosterone, which is anything you're good at. You know, focus on something else, tell you feeling good, your heart is open, then reflect on how you contributed to the problem, how you could have done it differently, how you could be more compassionate. So he comes back into balance. She, on the other hand, 
disengages when she sees he's being defensive. She stops. She takes time away to talk to somebody who can hear what she's going through, who's not going to get defensive. Because if you express emotions at somebody with blame, they're going to become defensive. That's just the reality of the situation. So take time to to come back to opening your heart, then go talk to your partner and you'll be much more successful because your heart is open as opposed to an imbalance within yourself. Yeah, I want to I want to go back because it was uh, I noted that while you were talking about just again how it can be counterproductive for men to talk through their emotions. And my initial reaction to that was, well, I actually find a lot of benefit when I'm in, say, my men's group and we, we create a space where we're able to just go into our emotions and express those freely. And then you, you came up again and you said, well, when you're coming from a place of an open heart, that that is beneficial, but that in that place of defensiveness, I think like you just said, what resonated again is that idea of like responding to compound emotions. Like there's like too much there for it to be really productive or generative, right? Exactly. And- Well, I love what you said. I mean, I think every man needs to be in a men's group because we are more in touch with our sensitivities and our feelings, which is great. That's our balance. But when you're talking to men in the group, what's happening is simply men being with men boosts your testosterone so high because there's this complete agreement and understanding and you're not feeling in any way threatened. You see, there's no cortisol being produced. There's no imbalance being generated in your body. So you're able to embrace that part of you, which has emotions. And you're also able in that context of looking at it from an analytical, logical perspective. There's no fight. You're not having to fight someone because when you're arguing with your partner, then you're in fight or flight. And biologically, your estrogen levels will rise higher and higher the more words you speak. The only thing that would actually stop this. And this is why relationships, rules of relationships in the past, their guidelines don't work today is if you go to right now, even in indigenous cultures, or I spend a lot of time in China and in China, what you'll see is that these old styles are still there. And what you'll see is that women have learned. You don't argue with a man when he's angry because people die. Uh, Basically, you put on a smile, you put on lots of makeup, you say, yes, yes, yes. It's a submissiveness which women had to adopt in order to keep men from becoming angry if if, and only if their estrogen was too high. And this would be losers. This would be men who you know, didn't get paid for their work, didn't have a sense of mission, didn't have a sense of purpose. And they're losing the opportunities that other men have. They're not getting what they deserve. Uh, so what happens is when a man is in that state, his testosterone is low his estrogen is high, and he, he's very aggressive. He's mean. He's controlling. He's demanding. He, I want respect. You know, I'm the boss. You know, all that. And, and then they, they, women could sort of keep him from being violent by just smiling and agreeing. But what is that? That's the message that he is good enough. And now when you're in a men's group, you're always getting that message. Every man relates to what's going on. And so they're going to see, they understand what you're going through. They appreciate who you are. So you're feeling that safety that you are enough in the presence of other men. And what's great about men's groups, I'll go a little bit further. This is another important idea. Men particularly connect with their emotions, a deeper part of who they are, by hearing other men talk. So you know when the men are talking in the group, one guy's updating you, another guy's updating on his life and what's going on. It awakens inside of you a deeper awareness of what's happening inside of you. And then you share that then awakens something inside of men. 
of other men in the group. This is where sharing is so, so important as a process of self-discovery, but only when you're in a safe environment where somebody's not pecking at you, trying to change you. It's, it's funny you say that. We, we talked about this the other day in our group of, I was personally, I was in a, I was just really happy. I was really content and I didn't want to go to my men's group. And I went and we talked about this idea that we go to men's group, not necessarily because we feel like we are in a place where we need to express ourselves, but that by showing up there, you're being there for where every other guy's at and to share your own experience. And like you just talked about of the value yeah, of something that I've certainly experienced. I have two men's groups and I've been in them for, you know, like 20 years and it's just so refreshing because to a great extent, men are outward oriented and to sit and talk about our lives gives us a chance to reflect on what's going on inside of us at a deeper level. And I've never had a meeting where when somebody didn't say something or talk about something, I went, yeah, that happened to me. Or yeah, I feel like that. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. And ideally the place we want to go to is a place where when our wives are talking, we can connect to her in that way. And that's a possibility. It's an advanced stage uh, in my own marriage to get to the place where my wife actually shares she's being really vulnerable. And being vulnerable means you're not blaming someone for how you feel. You're not asking for a solution, but you're just sharing what's inside without the intent to change your partner, but kind of updating them, revealing to them what's going on inside. And it's so sweet. It's so sweet. It's a massive turn on, you know. And so, you know, to get to the place where when your wife is talking about her feelings, you actually get turned on and you feel more love for her. Hmm. That That is like a good communication, but that's an advanced stage. It starts with men learning to support each other's feelings. It starts with women going to women to support their feelings and actually learning how to communicate your feelings to a man without him, first of all, to, to support him and supporting you and listening. That's a, a surface level is I don't need you to say anything or fix anything. I just want to talk. And the second thing, that's like the tip of the iceberg. And I've been teaching that for 30 years. But you have to go to get to the higher level of intimacy. You've got to go deeper from from just what happened that didn't work and what's happening. It does work to reveal deeper feelings, the feelings of frustration or disappointment, uh, concern, worries, doubts, insecurities, feelings of guilt, shame, anger. These are the kinds of things that you might be feeling during the day, but you can't reveal. You can't say that in the work world. You can't even listen to those feelings. You'll be seen as weak. They'll get in the way, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But to be able to sort of say, little house cleaning here, I just want you to know what went on today inside of me that I didn't share with anybody, but I'm going to share with you because I know you love me unconditionally. Mm. But to do that, you have to have a good communication and you have to remind the man, I just want to reveal a part of me that maybe you might think is irrational or overreacting, but it's just how I need to just bring it up into my awareness to let it go. And then I'll feel really good. This is like, bringing some of the benefits of good therapy into your marriage. Uh, women will come to me and they come in with unhappiness, stressed, overwhelmed. And I get them to talk, not just about the problems, but about their emotions linked to it. I can connect with those emotions so she doesn't feel separate. All pain is ultimately comes from separation, those painful emotions. So I can connect with compassion and empathy to the emotions. Then suddenly they might cry a little bit and now they walk out happy and nothing has changed in their life. That's a phenomena. So what happened biologically is literally by connecting with vulnerability from a place of empathy and compassion, understanding, 
estrogen level skyrockets inside of women because it's a need of the female side of us, of all of us. The female side needs to be seen and heard. It's just that, and we men need it too, but we shouldn't go there if our testosterone levels are low because then we go too far to the female side. What we want is that nice balance of masculine and feminine. And so this is a big idea. I mean, people have not been aware of that. This is real. This is reality as opposed to gender fluidity. Oh, we're all kind of the same and whatever. And we're this, we're that. Yes. And when you're not happy or fulfilled or having a great sex life, you've lost that polarity in your physical bodies that he's the man and she's the woman. Hmm. And so, you know, we've talked a little bit about some of these external forces and the internal biology that you know, cultivates specific responses to those stimulus and, you know, how that shows up. And I think I'd be remiss not to take it down this route with you. But, you know, how do those differences show up? You talked about expressing emotion with an open heart. But as someone who's been in a very loving eight-year relationship, you know, I can, I can assure you that at least in ours and in probably most of my friends, it doesn't always show up in that loving container. Is that a lot of times it can show up in that contentious, uh, defensive container. And so how do you acknowledge that? And what do you, what do you recommend in terms of understanding how we, we communicate differently and how for both men and women, we can really bridge that gap in those moments of contention? Like as, as a man, what is it that I can do to, to show up? And as a woman, what is it that we can do to support our, our male partner? Okay. It, it's, you know, menless. What, what I find is if a woman can say to a man, if you're getting defensive, take some time. I'm going to take some time. And most men will respond in a positive way. The problem here is if a man is in some an argument with a woman. He says, look, I need to take some time and then we can come back to loving each other. In my experience, most women don't let go. They follow and they ask questions because deep inside them, they're feeling a disconnection. And disconnection is the opposite of what she needs at that time. He needs to disconnect. So men are more open to this idea. Women are not. They know we're going to talk this through. Why would you say that? You don't love me anymore. They make all these sort of uh, comments to re try to connect. She's, in a sense, trying to penetrate into him to get to see what he's feeling and connect. But that's the wrong direction. He doesn't need to connect at that time. Connection creates estrogen. Separation creates testosterone. If the man is not able to give you the empathy and support you need in that moment, the woman has to learn Okay, take your time you need. It was such a turnaround in my marriage when one time I took the time I needed to come back to love. And my, I came back and my wife said to me, thank you so much for taking that time to open your heart again. Mm. I feel so safe. Now that's, a, that's, that's her brilliance. It changed my life. It gave me permission now. Like I'm not this bad guy running away from the relationship. No, I'm protecting her from the dragon inside of me that lives inside of men if their estrogen levels go too high through talking too much. So she has to be taught. Now, it's hard to teach women. I, you, as a husband, you can try convincing them. It was hard for me to convince my wife. I had to get her to take my seminars and do all this stuff and see that other men had this situation. So the book, you know, take, listen to the book on tape, listen to the book, read the logic. That's why this is a big thing to change our attitudes. Uh, women have been completely... Uh, 
influenced by psychology and psychology today. And there's beautiful things in psychology, but this idea that we have to talk everything through, talking is what destroys relationships most of the time, the way we talk. Because, and you can say, well, talk differently. No, you can't talk differently. It's all tone of voice. And if your hormones are out of balance, your tone of voice is defensive. Your tone of voice is defensive. I I did a a workshop with these guys who do something called authentic relating recently. And I I loved the first tenant of their framework. And it says, step one, do nothing. And I thought, wow, that's so brilliant because they were giving gravitas to the pause, right? Which gives you a moment to just sit, check in and respond as opposed to just reacting. And when you call it out like that, and, and I think I literally got goosebumps as you were saying it, because even in my own relationship, it's the... The idea of withdrawing in an argument is like I, it resonates with what you're saying. Of like I'm I'm going to check with myself to calm down, to open the heart, and how that shows up for my wife in many cases is that I'm withdrawing and not confronting something that needs to be addressed. And, right, right. And, We're and, seen as losers. And so, but just what so you said there, I think that from a, a tangible communication standpoint, um, you know, for female partners, if they, if they can acknowledge that, and even if you know I can articulate that better as a male partner, of like I'm withdrawing to open my heart to calm down. But even I can do a better job articulating that to her, which is rather than say storming off of like, I'm done versus saying, it's like, I'm going to take a moment and, and open my heart because this, you know what I mean? I think that that articulation. And, and I'll be back. Yeah. And I'll be back. Those are techniques in men are from Mars, even there. And, but having taught this for all these years with gender fluidity, women don't buy it. They said, no, you're pulling away. You open your heart now. Talk to me. Hmm. And, this is a force. This is a huge force. This ruining relationships today is the thinking that what's good for her is good for him. And he should be this way because she should be that way. But even for her sharing feelings and, you know, it's now a cliche. I just want to talk about my feelings. I just need you to listen. Women will now say that, you know, because it's become common knowledge. That was one of the themes of chapter three or four of Men Are From Mars had a big impact. But Women will say that, but they don't mean that. What they'll say is, I don't need you to say or do anything. Just listen to how I feel. But inside their intent is, what are you going to do about this? And what are you going to do about this? And I want you to say you're sorry, for example. That's a simple intention. I'm telling you this so that you will feel sorry. And if you don't feel sorry, then I don't feel heard. You see, sharing feelings, demanding a response is not sharing feelings. It's complaining. Mm. The distinction, here's another distinction. Sharing feelings is, this is how I feel. Would you listen to me so I can feel better? As opposed to, I'm going to share how I feel so you will change. And if you change, then I will feel better. See, there's a, there's a demand. You cannot share negative emotions with a demand. You will only get reactivity back. This is the biology because you're reacting. You're wanting to change him. And so it's like, you know, when you say the, the first lesson was to do nothing, <laughs> I love that too. From my side, do nothing means stop doing what you're doing. Whatever you're doing, you're going to have reactions inside. You can't stop reactions, but you can you can respond by not talking about them in that moment. They're not acting on them in that moment, but instead knowing that the, the the reactions is the conditioned mind. I have no control over it. You know, it's a reaction, but I can control what my body does. I control what my mouth does. I can walk away, and that's what you can do. And you walk away from confrontation. You take time to feel good. And here's the additional that you don't come back and have the same conversation over again. You come back and you spend days just being loving and wonderful and kind to each other. You have to build up those hormones to where you can address these issues. Because today, 
women are so out of balance. Men are so out of balance that we're just so sensitive. You can just tip us and we fall over because women are way on the female side. I'm in the male side. Men are way on the, on the sensitive side. What we need to do is find our strength again and balance. Then conversations, we're not so, uh, our buttons don't get pushed that much, so to speak. Because when your buttons get pushed, buttons means you're basically something triggers feelings that aren't just about what happened. You know, it'd be like my wife's had a hard day and she's feeling overwhelmed and she's stressed out and she comes home and and she sees a, a glass left on the counter. And she goes, why didn't you put the glass in the in the dishwasher? <laughs> And, you know, how many times I have to tell you this? Can't you just put the glass in the dishwasher? Is it that hard to think of that? And you, you just kind of go, wow, did that warrant that strong reaction? Mm. Well, if you take into consideration all that she's feeling that day, it does. But if you take into consideration just that moment, it's completely irrational. So, and, and again, it's the hormonal imbalance inside her body or his body that makes us so reactive to these things. Otherwise, there's a space that intuitively embraces our states of imbalance. And so, John, I'd love to balance it out. And so even, you know, it sounded like such a tangible kind of piece of insight in terms of language that a man can introduce to to withdraw and open his heart. And what about in those moments where if a woman does want to be heard and, and a man is responding to that inherent kind of call to, to solve or to, you know, really understand, how can they better show up in that scenario? Okay, if you're in a problem-solving meeting, see, I call Venus talks and Mars talks. Mars talks is let's solve this problem together. And if there's any emotionality or sensitivity around it, any defensiveness, we have left a Mars talk. We need to take our time, come back into balance, then come back and have a Venus talk, which is where she processes her emotions about something. And he's present for her in that situation where her heart is open, but she's expressing her feelings. And she does it in a way that doesn't attack him or demand change from him. Then you give it a break and you say, okay, let's figure out how we're going to solve this because you're both on the same team. Men can hear women much, much, much better. I won't say every man can, much, much better when women share their feelings from a place of not trying to change him, but to inform him. And that's really tough. It's, you know, I, <laughs> I've seen it over and over. I'm just telling him how I feel. No, what you're telling him is that you feel he's not doing a good job and he should change. There has to be any kind of request needs to come from a place that says, you know, I appreciate what you do so much. I'm so lucky to be with you. I accept you. I know we all have our flaws. I have my flaws and I know you're doing your best. I trust that you're doing your best. We're on the same side here. So she could say to me, for example, John, why can't you turn out the light in the living room? You always leave the light on in the living room. Is it that hard to turn it off? As opposed to, that's a complaint. She's telling me how she feels, a frustration uh, with a request. That doesn't work. He'll keep forgetting to turn out the light. It's just it's a negative message. It says he's not doing good. As opposed to not feeling frustrated and stressed and just say, hey, John, when you're going through the living room, I know many times you turn the light out. But sometimes you don't. And I'd really appreciate if you did. It does save on the cost for the electric bill. Done. You see what a difference that is? You're coming from a place of a request rather than a complaint. A complaint is a request backed by negative emotions. Yeah. Come from a place of positive emotions and tell them what you appreciate. I mean, this is like our primitive brain can only communicate through complaints. Uh, enlightened brain says, I love you. I accept you. I appreciate you. you're wonderful. And would you do this for me? 
done. It's and I know you're trying. I know you're doing this. And would you do this for me? It's learning how to ask. And women today, I, why should I ask? Why should I ask? He doesn't have to ask me. And I turn out the light. He, why should I ask for help with this? You know, I do all these things for him. Asking is essential for us all to learn. It's a way of respecting your partner, appreciating your partner. And if you don't, if you don't ask, you don't get. But you have to learn how to ask, not back by negative emotions. Yeah. A word, a word that I've heard you use throughout the interview, it, it seems to be this kind of undercurrent, is the word recognition and appreciation. And could you say a little more about the role that that plays in, in navigating not just these contentious conversations, but just re- oh. relationships in general? Thank you for pointing that out. This is, uh, it's, this is 101 Mars-Venus, and now it applies to the new message beyond Mars-Venus to find balance, is that there's lots of ways to love each other. And we all deserve all the different forms of love, both men and women. However, to find hormonal balance, certain types of love have a bigger effect. If you appreciate someone for what they did, testosterone goes up. If you complain to someone about what they didn't do, their testosterone goes down. Now, testosterone is highly important to men to regulate stress levels and their open heart. It's not important to women. What's important to women is estrogen or progesterone. Estrogen is stimulated in women when you show consideration, when you show you care, when you listen and you understand, and when you respect their wishes and needs, you honor them as equal to you, that you cherish them. That's the, that's all those behaviors stimulate estrogen. The behaviors that stimulate testosterone is acknowledgement. Oh, that was so helpful. Oh, what a good idea. Oh, that makes sense. Would you help me with this? Thank you. Make, oh, what a good idea. This is the best meal I've eaten. This is fantastic. This is acknowledging what a man provides increases testosterone from a place of of acceptance that maybe it's not perfect, but you appreciate what you got and trust they're doing their best. So those are three words that men need the most if their testosterone is low. That's to be trusted to be accepted just the way he is. Don't try to change me and appreciate me. If women can learn their power to give those things to a man, men want to give back. And men don't understand the power of their showing consideration, caring, understanding, and respect of women's uh, needs, wishes, and wants. When you honor her, when you make sacrifices for her, that is the most beautiful thing. When, when, when a you know, this is what masculinity was all about. Who goes to war? Men, we sacrifice our lives for women and children. We go to crummy jobs for women and children. We allow this, you know, government suppression, you know, basically slave labor is all over the world, not just for women, but for men. Nobody's getting their due with the 1% at the very, very top, making all they do, people having minimum wage. I don't know how people live that way. So when you don't get paid a fair payment for what you do, your testosterone levels remain low if you get a fair payment. So once again, women need fair payment for survival. Men need it not only for survival, men need it to boost their testosterone. What women need more is better communication, more romance, more connection, and from a man, particularly during the five days before ovulation when her estrogen levels need to double. So if a woman is running the company, but she anticipates coming home to a relationship where those needs, those emotional needs are met, 
or a personal life without a man, but those emotional needs are met. The anticipation of that personal life actually stimulates estrogen throughout the day while she's also making testosterone. That is the solution, is finding that place of balance. Beautiful, John. And so, John, you've been doing this for quite some time. You're in, this is book number... What? 27, 26, something like that. 27 for you. And so what was the moment when you realized that you needed to write Beyond Mars and Venus? You know, I, I knew I needed to write it back in the 90s, actually, but the world wasn't ready for it. Uh, basically, most couples, when they come to me and they're really having problems, they are in complete role reversal. That would be always the case in my experience. When couples had big problems, they had no sex. Okay, they're argumentative. He's shut down. He's lazy. She's depressed. She's unhappy. She's always got a list of complaints for him. Whenever that was the case, they basically had gone into role reversal where he was doing less and she was doing more, where she wasn't asking for what she needed, where she wasn't appreciating him. So that's all in Men Are From Mars. But what I'm addressing now, finally the time came out where everybody was, uh, the problem was so out of balance, I could talk about this. So I even knew it back then. I wrote a book back in 2008 called Why Mars and Venus Collide. And it is, you know, uh, earlier version of Beyond Mars and Venus. But I wrote Beyond Mars and Venus because the amazing research that exists today based upon hormonal differences. Back about 15 years ago, I started talking about the brain differences. I could do a whole 10 hours on brain differences between men and women. But then, you know, whenever you talk about differences, there's this opposing camp and they would come in and say, well, you know, that's just junk science. Although many universities say it, other people will say it's junk science. And still, the brain is so complicated. Uh, I just wanted to go something very simple. And when you come down to hormones, you, everybody gets their hormones tested a man's testosterone level has to be 10 times, 20 times, 30 times that of a woman on those tests. Otherwise, he's dead or he's depressed or he's violent. Any of those things, that's testosterone for men. And for women, it's the estrogen, progesterone levels. And every woman now knows all about hormones. So we know we are different there. So my motivation here is to keep the awareness of how we are different and how by respecting those differences, appreciating those differences, we can make the adjustment in this gender fluid world. And gender fluid means we want more as well. Uh, the female side of us is the part of us that wants more. Men want great sex, okay? Women want, want more independence, but men want great sex. And what's happening in relationships is people say, oh, we're too tired. We just don't feel it, whatever. And, and we don't have the energy for it. So they'll sit and watch a TV show. I said, you have plenty of time because you're wasting all that time. You just don't have the energy for it. And why you don't have the energy for it is the lack of polarity in your relationship. You see, in the beginning of a relationship, uh, the newness stimulates high levels of dopamine. And that stimulates all the romantic feelings. But once the newness goes away serotonin sets in, you get in the comfort zone, and you don't have that newness to stimulate the passion and the excitement and the eroticism. But So that goes away. But when you have polarity, you can sustain that attraction. And that's the key of women finding their female side, men finding their male side in the relationship, creating pockets where that exists. Then you have better passion because you, know, you, you, you not only have a strong attraction and great sex, but you know who you're having sex with. 
I remember back in the seventh year of my marriage with Bonnie, after having great sex, I said, wow, that was better than the beginning. And she said, uh, she's, I said, actually, that was as good as it was in the beginning. And she says, no, John, that was better. And I said, why? And she, she said, because in the beginning, we didn't really know each other. But now we have great sex. You adore me. And you've seen the worst of me and the best of me. Mm. And that's what makes it great. Because you know who you're with. You know, there's this place of total open heart, which is accepting and understanding someone, seeing their best and worst sides, and still adoring them and loving them. And it's the great sex that allows you to keep coming back into balance. It's you have balance to get into the bedroom, but it's being in the bedroom that sustains that balance. Great sex is everything, in my opinion. And if you want to have the best, and, and this is like, you know, some people talk about enlightenment. You know, I spent my life teaching and meditating and all this to have enlightenment, but enlightenment is bringing it into the world and into your relationship. So this is a goal. There are steps to get there. It doesn't happen overnight but it's where you're having fantastic sex every day and men are multi-orgasmic and women are multi-orgasmic. Nine orgasms each time. You know, this is like learning how to do this is a new science. People are teaching it online, whatever. My book on that hasn't come out yet, but that'll be a while before. But the, the dynamic here is learn, for men learning how to train the muscles down south in order to have orgasms without ejaculating, mm -hmm. and for women to learn how to be multi-orgasmic, dependent on the man's penetration and not dependent on her trying to have an orgasm. So these are like new, new things. I mean, right now, half the women in America have never had an orgasm. The ones that have have to do it for themselves. When women have to do it for themselves, they're just going to their male side. They're doing it themselves as opposed to being on their female side, which is he's doing it for her. But he needs to learn how to not ejaculate in sex. And that takes some training. But what happens, it's a guarantee of lasting great sex. Why? Because we have something in psychology called conditioned response. Every time he ejaculates, his estrogen levels shoot to a massively high level, which is why his testosterone levels temporarily drop. He wants to go to sleep. His energy level drops. He doesn't feel that passion or excitement. It's just gone. He disconnects. Well, if every time he opens his heart to her fully, and then it's, she also opens her heart at that time, and then he disconnects, the conditioned response for her is, I can't open up to him or I'll lose him. Mm. The conditioned response for a man is, if I open up to her, my testosterone goes down. So it's built into marriages to lose that passion if you have the old-fashioned ways of having sex. So this is the secret to all of this. It requires polarity outside the bedroom and this amazing polarity inside the bedroom and the polarity in the bedroom is he does her and he's able to provide a kind of support that allows her to get to that place but you know just this you know uh two three minutes of intercourse and an orgasm is not going to do it it's it's got to be the right levels of foreplay there's nine levels that you have to go through with a woman you build it up men have to learn how to sustain their energy for that time without the need to release it and then all you want to do is have sex again the next day and next sex again the next day. So, you know, people meditate 20 minutes a day. I say at least have sex for 20 minutes every day, if not longer on the weekends or whatever. It sounds like you had a, a very lucky wife. Yes, I did. <laughs> and so when is, when is this book coming out? You've piqued our interest. Well, right now I'm just uh, teaching that in my men only class and women only class. Before I put it into a book, I need to make sure I got lots of people doing it successfully but I am teaching it 
and and it will come out eventually. People can go online and look at the many books on orgasm without ejaculation, multi-orgasmic woman and various, and get some good tips there. I have my own unique approach, but it's uh, similar to what they're doing as well. And so, John, I know that we're we're coming close to our the end of our time that we have before today, and so. I'm just curious again, you know, for someone who's been at it for for so long and contributed so much, um, what do you hope this work contributes to? As you know, we have such a, a shift in kind of gender roles and gender fluidity and the way that society is moving and kind of, you know, with younger generations being so averse to real intimacy and, and connection and kind of losing that ability to just connect. What is what is the role that you hope this work has on society and, and people moving forward? I think that we're, we're facing a massive uh, problem today. I, I've written about it in a book I wrote with Warren Farrell called The Boy Crisis. We could also write The Girl Crisis, but this one's called The Boy Crisis. I actually had Warren yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. I mean, Warren's amazing. He has all the statistics and we talked together and we've put that book together. But the, the, the boys are going down and it really goes along with testosterone going down. And boys need to have the permission as just to keep it in the context of what we talked about today. There's so many more elements to it, but just being in a relationship, not having the appreciation for taking the time to pull out of an argument. See, you're the hero. You saved her from the dragon and, and knowing that and having a woman appreciate you for that. Just that is a major shift, but there's so many shifts that need to take place for a boy to grow up in the world feeling his life is meaningful and purposeful and for girls to feel that they don't have to do it all themselves, that they're not having to do it all themselves. They burn out. The women are burning out and the men are just losing their energy and depression is setting in, addiction is setting in, uh, pornography. You know, we talk all about how, you know, the addiction to pornography online is, is, and I'm not against naked bodies. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just when you're ejaculating two or three times a day, you're just losing your brain power. You're losing your motivation. You're, you're like taking crack cocaine every day. And so there's options, you know, that we have to teach men and women how to be in this new world. And then we will have happy, long lasting mother and father for children to grow up with their parents intact. Because right now over half the boys are, are growing up in homes without fathers. This is very challenging. Uh, ex extra challenging, we'll put it that way. So what we have is we have a division in the sexes. Uh, we don't have the connection and harmony that's required for a happy, fulfilled life for our children and for ourselves. And that division is reflected in everything we do outside the relationship. So we have this massive polarization in the world. We have this opposition to people of different faith, people of different color, people of difference. And that is coming forth for us to see it and deal with it. But to deal with it, we have to have an openness that can embrace differences. And the first and most significant difference is the difference between men and women. When we can embrace those differences and sustain our heart open with the people we choose to be with, then we have a chance to coexist with people we don't choose to be with. You know, one of the things I thought was so, uh, so great about how you framed that early on is you said, let me be clear. I'm not telling anyone to do anything they don't want to do. I'm just asking, you know, inviting people to just be happy. And you're basically saying it's like, here are some of the inherent differences that do exist and some explanations for why people respond different ways and need different things. And if you're unhappy, like here's one model that we can apply to just 
live a life that it's more aligned with what we really want. And I think that that's so important because it, it can oftentimes be contentious to, to navigate that conversation about gender today. But the way that you approach it, I, I just really, I respect and admire that because it really is, it just feels like more of a, an invitation of just like, how can we help more people to really be happy and to engage in relationships that are generative and that they enjoy being in? It's a model that allows us to look within ourselves for our dis- dissatisfaction in life rather than looking to circumstances outside ourselves. It just helps us make sense of what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's empowering, right? And give people a little more control to look inwards and see what they can do. And I really appreciate that. And, 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 and it's, just, it's just one aspect of it. You know, I'm a big fanatic when it comes to, you know, what we put in our bodies, supplements, nutrition. That's a, many books written on that. And then my books on meditation and energy work. You know, this is all highly important as well. You know, for me, how I came up with many of these ideas is when I take my time. Uh, first of all, I, I, I could meditate. Meditation is like the oldest technique for men to rebuild testosterone. <laughs> it's stop talking and empty your mind. <laughs> Forget it. It, it, it. Of course, today it's like a sin if you say, oh, I just want to take some time here. Oh, no, you need to talk about everything because We've shifted in the degree and awareness of what women need to find balance today. And talking is a very powerful estrogen stimulator for women to come back into balance. And likewise, it can be a very powerful uh, stimulator of imbalance if men talk too much. And I have to tell you, women will say to me, oh, my husband, he talks way too much. He talks way too much. Oh, I start to say one thing and he just goes on and on. I don't want to talk to him because they'll over talk me. And that's kind of the opposite of what it used to be, which is women would complain. Oh, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. And what I would say to those women is actually you need to open up and share more. You're wanting him to talk because you're afraid he'll judge what's inside of you. So you need to learn how to have conversation where he feels he can be supportive to you and what you're going through. Because men don't know that just talking about feelings can help build the estrogen for women to find balance. Men hear problems, complaints, and men go, okay, what do you want me to do about it? And why are you feeling that way? Why don't you look at it differently? And, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Can't we just let it go? You know, let's move on. Let's just retrace that. Why, why, why waste time talking about it? These are just normal male reactions. And, but the enlightened male recognizes now that doesn't work for women today, particularly because women have a much greater need than ever before in history to talk about their feelings. Why is that? because they're so independent during the day to find the balance. Talking about feelings is one of the most powerful ways. Romance is another, and certainly great sex is another. All right, Warren, well, I need to go and make love to my wife and ask her about her day. So we're going to let you go. All right, sounds <laughs> great. Take, take her on a date before you make love to her. <laughs> well, I'll go through the nine steps, right? All right, yeah, very well, good. So, so- well, actually, but before we go, so I do, John, want to invite you to just share a little bit more about uh, what's most uh, important right now. What do you have going on? Where can people find you online and support uh, Beyond Mars and Venus? Uh, what are the best places for people to find you online? Well, you know, they can get the book Beyond Mars and Venus. It's also on on us, uh, audio as well. But my website's marsvenus.com, and I have an abundance of free videos that people can access uh, also, my daughter, Lauren, one of my daughters, she's 34 now, and she's been teaching this now for 15 years. She does courses for women only. Uh, so, you know, she really gets in there for women to help them learn how to uh, get what they need in their relationships in a successful way. Because if you're not getting what you need in a relationship, you can keep blaming the other person or you can find your real power, which is make changes within yourself 
to be authentic, responsible, and get what you need. And usually you can get it if you know how to do it. Yeah. Thank you so much, John. As I've been revisiting so much of your work, it's just been uh, such a powerful lesson. And again, like how much responsibility we can take for our own transformation and creating the experience we want in our relationships. And I'm excited to uh, share the conversation with our listeners and, uh, and to see how much more people we can alert to some of the new work that you're putting out into the world. So thank you for all your contributions and for taking the time to be on the podcast. I really enjoyed it. I'm I'm really happy to be on the podcast. And I, I, I think I need to clarify something. We talked about my wife in past tense. Uh, she passed on by cancer. So that's what we're talking. But we are very happily married for 33 years. And, I, you know, the, the great thing is that we really did live these ideas. And I can only thank her. I could never come up with all this on my own. But it was her love and her wisdom that helped me bring my message to the world and continues and to support me in that. So one of my one of my other companies is a company called Tribute, and we help people to appreciate the people in their lives. And so why don't we leave it on that? If you look, what was your wife's name? Bonnie Gray. Bonnie Gray. And so what did you most love about Bonnie Gray, and how did she contribute to this body of work that you've been able to put into the world? Well, you've seen in my talks, I quote her all the time, of the, the jewels of wisdom. She didn't have to say a lot. She just had awakenings that she would awaken me to so that I could write my books on how to be a good husband. Because she brought me out, her love, her appreciation, her acceptance, her forgiveness, her sharing and patience with me helped me to be a better man. That motivated me to teach these ideas of what men can do and what women can do. How do I know what women can do? Because she did it for me. And as I became a better person, I could do more for her. I had more wisdom to provide the support she needed. So she gave me unconditional love. She was beside me the whole way through. And it wasn't always easy because we had all the challenges couples have today. And with her help, we were able to come through it and be of service to the world. And I'm so deeply in gratitude to her for that. Well, cheers to Bonnie. Thank you for your contribution to this work. And cheers to uh, great women that, that pull out, you know, better us. So thank you so much, John. Thank you.